starting a brand new series, as you can see, in the book of Jonah uh, called Never Say Never. And so for the next four weeks, we're going to walk through the book of Jonah together. And uh, we're going to approach this book in a way in which it was written. So in what I mean by that, the book of Jonah is a narrative. And so I'm going to preach it as a, as a narrative, as a story. Uh, so that's why if you're, a, if you're a note taker, if you're a fill-in-the-blank type of person, uh, there's not going to be any blanks for you to fill in in your notes in the, in the, in the, in the bulletin or in you version. Uh, you can just, you can, you can come up with your own points. How's that? And so uh, many of us know about the story of Jonah, that Jonah's the guy that was like, like swallowed by a whale because he was running from God. And, and so God sends this whale and, and retrieves Jonah. Uh, the book of Jonah is in the Old Testament, and so it's written in about 760 B.C. And, and so the book of Jonah is really, it's, to me, it's almost look like peering over his, his shoulder, reading into his life journal. It's almost like a personal story of Jonah with his personal struggle with God and some of the things that God did and some of the things that God asked him to do. And so, so whenever, whenever you approach a book, you want to you kind of find the theme verse. What, what is a theme and what is a theme verse? And here's the interesting thing of, about Jonah. Uh, the theme verse is in, found in Jonah chapter 2, verse 19. And we're going to just stay in chapter 1 this, this weekend. But Jonah chapter 2, verse 19, uh, the scripture says, salvation belongs to the Lord. In other words, there's this mystery to salvation. And salvation belongs to the Lord, and a lot of us, we track with that. We're good with that. Salvation is up to the Lord. Who, who goes to heaven? Who doesn't? And so we're tracking with that, and we kind of like that. But all of a sudden, the way God helps us understand that salvation belongs to him and him alone is when, when he offers salvation to someone that we don't think deserves it or that we don't like or that, that we have an issue with, that all of a sudden in those moments we can have an issues with God when all of a sudden there's somebody that is a believer, there's somebody that is a Christian, or God offered them salvation. And you know what? We didn't think they earned it. We didn't think they deserved it. We didn't think they should be Christians. And all of a sudden, that's where we begin to have some issues. And so, so th this, this is Jonah. And, so, and I don't know if you know this, but those types of discussions exist, Right? I mean, I, I will never forget when we planted Fellowship of the Rockies in 1995. Uh, we did our first golf tournament in like 1998. Uh, it, was a, it was a men's golf tournament. And then it quickly turned to men and women golf tournament the next year when the women rose up and says, hey, we play golf too. We won't end the club. And so we're like, you're in. You can play next week, next year. And so, uh, so, uh, so anyway, so we started this golf tournament in a, in a way to, to reach people in the community. There was a group of businessmen that, and I'll just say this, they had quite the reputation in town. And so there's a group of businessmen that I'm building relationships with. I'd witnessed to many of them. And so for me, it was their first step into our church. And so I invited these guys to our church. They brought, they brought an entire team. They showed up at, at Holly Dock Golf Course. And when they showed up, three men playing golf with us got mad. And they got mad because these guys were invited. They not only got mad because they were invited, they mad, they're mad because they came. They're mad about the whole deal. They didn't think salvation should be offered to them because they didn't like them. They didn't like their reputation. And as a result of that, those three families got upset and they, like, left the church. And so this is like a real issue. And so uh, Jonah chapter 2 verse 19 says, says, salvation belongs, it belongs to the Lord. We're okay with that until sometimes it grates against us when salvation is offered to someone we don't like or we don't think they, 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 they deserve it. In other words, we, we, try, we, don't, we don't think they're worthy of it. And so the theme of Jonah is this. 
is, is that we'll try, just like Jonah, we'll try to love God without loving the people he loves. That's the struggle of Jonah. Am I going to love the people he loves? Am I going to love the people he loves even though I disagree with them? Even though they have some different backgrounds than me? Even though, listen, even though they may not be in my tribe, even though they, uh, they may have some different beliefs than me, even though they may be in a different place in life. And so the struggle of the book of Jonah, I'm telling you, Jonah is, is like it's more than just a guy that got swallowed by a fish. Are we going to love the people that God loves? Are we going to judge them? In, in other words, this, sometimes we, we want the benefit from him but we don't want to listen to him. To love him is to love who he loves. We, we know this in, in marriage, right? Hopefully you know this in marriage. To not love what your spouse loves actually hurts them. I was married, and uh, Karen and I were married in, in 1983. I was like 23 and very immature. And so uh, we got married at 23, uh, we're both brand new Christians. We're trying to figure out the Christian life. We're trying to figure out marriage. And so we get married in 1983. And so we got married in November of 83. And so Christmas is like a month away. And so like we'd never had those discussions about Christmas. And, and you know, she's like Christmas on steroids and, and I'm not. And so we never had those conversations about how are we going to, how, how will we celebrate Christmas? What does Christmas look like for us? And so Christmas came. And so it was time to go get a Christmas tree, and Karen had a different perspective of how that thing was going to go down. And, and so, you know, it's Texas. It's like 100 degrees, 100% humidity. It's miserable. We get a Christmas tree. It doesn't fit in the Christmas tree stand. You know, the lights don't work. This doesn't work. You know, her idea, we'd get a Christmas tree. We'd sing Christmas carols. We'd play Christmas music. We would watch some Christmas shows. We would string cr- popcorn and all that still. And so as a result, it was like, it was like this huge clash because, you know what, I didn't love the thing she loved. I didn't love something that, that she loved. And so as a result of that, it sent her back. I'm telling you, it sent her back to the pastor to say, what have I done? And so uh, <laughs> she may still be saying that. I don't know. And so, uh, so we, we worked it out. But not, not to love and not to be loving to what she loves is actually dishonoring her. That, that's how a covenant relationship works. The type of relationships that we have with him, the type of relationship that we have with God is this, is we love what he loves. We love who he loves. And sometimes, listen, sometimes if we're all honest, I'm telling you, every one of us, sometimes if we're all honest, that presents, presents trouble, right? Sometimes it presents problems, right? Especially when that individual walks into this church. Especially when you know them. God is actually, what Scripture says, God is actually not one of our friends, and he's not one of our counselors. He's our highest authority. And so to not love who he loves is actually rejection of him. And so Jonah, and I know this is a long introduction, but Jonah really and truly is a lot like, like us. Jonah didn't reject God's word. fact is, you can go all the way back to 1 Kings. You can look at 2 Kings chapter 4. And you realize that Joe obeyed the word of the Lord. And so Jonah is a lot like us because he didn't actually reject God or reject God's word until it meant serving and loving people that he didn't like. And when God asked him to do that, he simply rebelled and said he's not going to do it. He, he, he rejected God when it meant the inclusion of people 
that he believed didn't deserve God's love and God's acceptance. And so here, here's what I would challenge you to do over the next four weeks. We're, we're going to be in the study for four weeks. I think I told you that. Read the book of Jonah like daily. It takes like 15 minutes. And all of a sudden you'll see this story unfold that as you read this story, it's about the one who ran away from God and the one who runs after him. It's about the one when we run away from him, he runs, he runs towards us. It's a story how the Lord Most High is the maker of heaven and earth and how he's powerful and he's mighty and he's in control. And it, he, he will accomplish what he wants to accomplish. It's a story about a God, a God of second chances, a God who shows mercy, who, who doesn't play favorites, who, who the ground, and, you, and we've said this, who, who, the ground is like level at the cross. It's a story about a God who is compassionate and loving towards those that will willingly and humbly accept him. Just a little bit of history before we start looking at the story. Israel's history is King David was one of Israel's most famous kings, and, and he passed his throne to his son Solomon. And Solomon was known for writing all the wisdom books of, of the Bible, and Solomon was known as a successful king and a wise person. And, and so Solomon passed the throne to his two sons who actually, who actually fought over it and ended up splitting the kingdom. And both were kings and ignored God and did whatever was they wanted to do, whatever was right in their eyes. And as a result of that, the nation of Israel went through a really different time, difficult time. And so during the time of Jonah, a son of, Jerobo, a son of Jeroboam ruled, and his father did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And, and so they had more problems in, in Israel with the boundaries, and, and this, led to, uh, this led to all sorts of problems. But they were able to lead them to prosperity and, and, and national pride. In 2 Kings chapter 14, Jonah is mentioned as this patriotic prophet who plays a significant part of the nation's recovery. And so the reality was God, God is the one that showed compassion on the people of Israel who were suffering. And he promised them that he would never let them be wiped out, that he would never abandon them. And so Jonah is like in, in the midst of all of this. And so Jonah, as a result of the type of prophet he was, he possessed this, this zeal for, for his own people and a zeal for his own country, but he didn't care about any other country. It was his country first. He, he didn't care about any other country. So all of a sudden, God calls him to go to Nineveh, different country, and this didn't make him happy at all. Nineveh is like 500 miles away from the little town where, where, where Jonah grew up. And Jonah actually heard the word of the Lord, and he went... He like went in the opposite direction. He didn't just go a little ways. God called him to go 500 miles in, in one way. And Jonah went 2,500 miles in the opposite direction. In other words, he wanted nothing to do with God. He wanted nothing to do with God's will. He wanted to do nothing with what God had asked him to do. And so Nineveh was the capital city, which happened to be Israel's most dreaded enemy. I mean, if you're a football fan, I know I use lots of sports analogies, but I'm a I'm not a smart man, and so, uh, <laughs> so like it, it was like for me when Joe Montana played for the, the San Francisco 49ers, and I saw him for the first time run out on the field in a in a Kansas City Chiefs uniform. It's like it doesn't even look right. I mean, that would be like Brett Favre, who played for the Green Bay Packers, go to the Minnesota Vikings. Oh wait, he did that, and so. Uh, uh, <laughs> It'd be, like, it'd be like John Elway playing for the Raiders. All right, so now you're tracking, right? Okay, see, you guys get this stuff. So I just had to pick the right, I had to get the right story. 
What would it be like if he played for the Cowboys? That would be worse than the Raiders? You guys need prayer. You guys need prayer. <laughs> so, so Nineveh was this evil empire. Nineveh, listen, Nineveh represented everything bad that was bad, represented everything bad about Assyria. And Nineveh was a city of great wealth and great power. I mean, the royal palace was so huge, it, it covered like three square city blocks. And it had city parks, it had water gardens. And, and Nineveh represented everything a patriotic prophet like Jonah, love of people, love of his country, hated. So when God calls Jonah to go, Jonah's like, God, I only work with my people. I only work with my country. I only work with the people that I like, and so I'm not doing that. So, so he ran. So, so that's a long introduction, but here we go. Jonah chapter 1, verse 1, and we'll read two scriptures and stop, and we'll walk, walk, walk through most of chapter 1. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. So maybe to put this in today's language, that would be like God coming to you. And said, I, I need you to go to Iraq. And I want you to go to Iraq, and I want you to find the headquarters of ISIS. And I want you to go into the center of ISIS. ISIS. And I want you to stand up before them and say, there is a God in heaven that loves you. Your sin has come up before God. God is aware of it. And he's going to deal with it. And he's going to deal with you. I mean... You'd expect to be mocked or tortured or maybe burned alive in cages, right? See, see this? Don't put yourself over the story. Put yourself in the story. This is what God is asking Jonah to do. In other words, Nineveh's sin was that kind of in-your-face, brutal, over-the-top sin. I mean, in fact, is the prophet Nahum referred to, to Nineveh as like this city of like blood and full of lies and full of arrogance. I mean, they had a great military force and they were, they were gr guilty of all kinds of torture and war crimes and, and then sexually they're just like unrestrained and anything goes full of prostitution and witchcraft. They saw themselves as like strong and untouchable and invincible and, and God had had like enough and God was going to expose them and, and bring them down and he, he, and he owed them. No warning, but he decided to send Jonah to warn them. Verse 3, here's Jonah's reaction. But Jonah ran away from the Lord. Ever done that? I'm just not talking about like a small detour. Just a little recalculation on the, on the old GPS. I'm talking the opposite direction. Jonah goes in the opposite direction. What is, what is the opposite direction from God? Every time we declare our independence and say, I don't, God, I don't care what you say. God, I'm not doing that. I don't care about what you say about forgiveness. I don't care what you say about integrity. I don't care what you say about character. I don't care what you say about loving people, telling the truth, sexual purity, faithfulness. God, I don't care. I'm not, I'm not having any of that. See, this issue of, of disobedience or willful disobedience is never being slightly off course. It's always running in the opposite direction from the Lord. And so this is what, this is what Jonah chooses, verse 3. 
But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Now, he's going to say this twice, from the presence of the Lord. So this is willful disobedience. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish, so he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish away from the presence of, of the Lord. So Joppa meant beautiful. It was, it was located in the Mediterranean Sea, uh, off the Mediterranean Sea, and in a major seaport. And if, if you wanted to sail away from Joppa, this was the place you would you'd set sail from. And so Jonah set, uh, set sails for Tarshish in the opposite direction. Why? Willful de- disobedience, to flee from the Lord. It's always funny to me when, when we think we can hide from the Lord, right? We think we can get away with it. Uh, we think that, you know what, he doesn't see what we're doing and he doesn't care. It, it I'm reminded of this all the time when, 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 when I play hide-and-seek uh, with, with the grandkids. If it's been a while since you played hide-and-seek with some kids four years uh, uh, older or, or younger, then you know this. They, like, suck at it, right? I mean, they're, they're, they are not any good. I mean, they are not. I've, I've watched kids hide behind a pole lamp, you know, like this, and you're coming into the room. And then they, they can't even control their emotions, right? You come in the room, all you got to see, where are you? I don't see you. And they're like, they're like trying to hold back the laughter and all that other stuff. And, and you got to kind of wander around the room. But they're horrible at it, right? I mean, they, you don't even have to try to beat them. I mean, you just walk in. And, and so I got, and, but I got, I got the opposite extremes in grandkids. And I got this, this one grandkid who, who my daughter said, I need to quit mentioning names to you guys. And so I can't tell you names anymore, but he's the oldest. And so... Uh, <laughs> Gave away no names. And so he, when I find him, he gets angry. He, it's like I cheated. I can't believe you. I can't believe you found me. You cheated. You looked. I go, no, I saw you when I came into the room. No way. Isn't that kind of how we are with God when we think we can hide from him? And he found it. Look, look at this. Uh, in, 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 in Genesis, is Adam and Eve, like when they fell, Uh, And then what do they do when they sin? They hid from God. By the way, we're given like 10 commandments. They only had one. Don't eat of the tree. That was it. One commandment. They couldn't even do that. And so verse 8 says, And they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves in the presence of the Lord, hid themselves from the presence of the Lord like Jonah, among the trees of the garden. They're playing hide and seek, right? But they're just like my grandkids. They suck at it. But the Lord called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. Fear of being discovered, I'm telling you, just honest, fear of being discovered is what causes us to hide. I mean, it's this fear of being discovered. It's like a child playing hide and seek. And I mean, it's this issue. I mean, the Bible says over and over, what is done in darkness will be exposed in the light. The Bible says over and over, your sins will find you out. We don't know when. That's the problem. Jeremiah 23, 23 says, am I, God at, am I a God at hand, declares the Lord, and not a God far away? Can a man hide himself in secret places so that I cannot see him, declares the Lord? Do I not feel heaven and earth, declares the Lord? Hebrews 4.13 says, And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to, to whom, whom we must give an account. In other words, this, we, uh, he sees everything. He literally sees everything. Just, just a reference, I'm not going to read these scriptures. Uh, I think they are on the YouVersion app. Uh, Psalm 139, 1 through 12. 
is another reference where it's like, it's like he, he sees everything. And so, in other words, what Jonah learned and what, what maybe we have learned, it's futile to try to hide from God. It's futile to try to think that, you know what, my sins aren't going to find me out. What is done in darkness will, will not be exposed in the light. And listen, sometimes, right, if it's somebody else's life, sometimes it's not exposed soon enough for us. We'd like maybe sometimes for it to be exposed a little bit quicker so we can move on in life. But it's up to him. And, but, 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 but here's this issue that if you tried to hide from him, it will suck the life out of you. It takes a lot of energy to do that. Listen, if you're ever around someone and they're trying to hide from the Lord, they're living a double life, I'm telling you, down deep they have no peace. Down deep it is sucking the personal energy out of them. So Jonah hoping to run from the Lord, he got, he got in a boat and he, and he ran. Maybe really not ran, but he was in a boat. <laughs> Jonah chapter 1 verse 4, it says, But the Lord... Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so the, the ship threatened to break up. Then the mariners were afraid, and each one cried out to his God, so that's a little g. And they weren't God followers like jo Jonah, so that's important. And they hurled the, car the cargo that was in the ship into the sea and lightened it for them, but Jonah had gone down into the innermost part of the ship and had laid down and was fast asleep. You know why? The life was sucked out of him. He was trying to escape. See, he believed he could hide. He believed he could hide in the, in the, the belly, the hull of a ship. And so the, the, the sailors were, were from different areas and they worshiped different gods, little g's, not the God, not Yahweh. And so you got all these gods. Just, you got all these guys. It's hilarious to me. You got all these guys that aren't God followers. They're being more spiritual than Jonah, the God follower. Isn't that crazy sometimes in the office or job site? You got some people that they're not God followers, but sometimes it seems like they're more spiritual than others. And this is what's going on. So verse 6, so the captain came and said to him, Jonah, what do you mean you sleeper? Arise, call out to your God. Perhaps the God will give a thought to us that we may not perish. And they said to one another, come, let us cast lots that we may know on whose account this evil has come upon us. So they cast lots, and they fell on Jonah. Just, just a way that God would speak through, through this, this, this way of casting lots. Proverbs uh, 16.33 tells us, the, the lot is cast into the lap, but its every decision is the Lord. So the sellers know the problem is Jonah, and Jonah could not, he could not escape, and he could not hide from the Lord. Verse 9, I'm sorry, verse 8. So they said to him, tell us whose account this evil has come upon us. What is your occupation? Where do you come from? What is your country? And what people are you? And he said to them, I'm a Hebrew and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. In other words, Jonah told them, I, I worship the creator of the universe. I worship Yahweh. I'm a God follower. See, the, the religion of their time, the supreme God was the one who controlled the sea. So all of a sudden, now they're scared. That if you could control the sea, then you were seen as the most powerful God. Verse 10, and the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, What is this you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord. There it is a third time, because he had, he had told them. It was crazy. Even lost people knew he was wrong. Even they know you shouldn't do that. If you're a God follower, really, we don't even do that. And you can kind of see the tension. They, 
they didn't know is God, but they knew this can't be good. These guys have spent most of their life outside on the sea. I mean, they were sunburned, windburned, callous guys. They did not have desk jobs. They tasted the salt spray in their face. I mean, these guys were rugged men. They were like deadliest catch guys. They risked their life every day, and they saw beautiful sunsets and the power and the fury of the weather. And they knew the heavens that declared the glory of something. They just didn't know what. And they didn't know who. But they knew you do not want to mess with him. Verse 11, then they said to him, What shall we do to you that the sea may quiet down? For the sea grew more and more tempestuous. And he said to them, Pick me up and hurl me into the sea. Then the sea will quiet down for you. For I know it is because of me that this great tempest has, has come upon you. So, the, the guy, so some of the guys are probably more than willing to like throw him over. But as a group, they decided not to do that. Uh, we're sailors, not pirates. <laughs> and so they didn't do that. Verse 13. Nevertheless, the men rowed hard to get back to dry land, but they could not, for the sea grew more and more tempestuous against them. In other words, in, 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 in the Hebrew, row means to like dig in. I don't know if you've ever been on the water in a storm. I've told the story. I'll just spare some of the details just real quickly. <coughs> Karen and I were on the reservoir in kayaks, and I didn't check the weather. My fault. And so we like almost died three-foot swells. And, and so if you never had to row in a storm, it is different on smooth, smooth ground. It's like when there is a storm in your personal life, it's different, right? You literally have to take the oar, and you, you, have, to dig, you have to dig in to get through the waves. Just a little story that, that I've never told about this story. Maybe I just need to process and get off my chest. Uh, when Karen and I are trying to get to shore, a church member and his family went by on a boat. And they kept going. Didn't even stop and help us. So in the foyer next week, I said, hey, called his name. Hey, were you on the, were you on the reservoir during the storm? He said, absolutely. He said, that was a nasty storm. I'm surprised our boat didn't capsize. I said, well, did you see anything? He goes, yeah, I saw two idiots in kayaks. I said, that would be your pastor. And so he is no longer a member here. I'm joking. Verse 14. Therefore they called out to the Lord, O Lord, let us not perish for this man's life, and lay not on us innocent blood, for you, O Lord, have done it as, as it pleased you. In other words, Lord, we hate to do this. Remember, they're, they're, they're not God followers. Verse, verse 15. So they picked up Jonah and hurled him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its, its, its raging. And the Bible makes it clear every now and then that there is a storm that will come into our lives, and sometimes it's just from fallout from living in a sin-scarred world. Even the most innocent pers person from time to time is blasted by a storm. You know, Jesus said it rains on the just and the unjust. Truth is, sometimes, I think uh, most of the time, we bring the storms on ourselves. The consequences of bad decisions or disobedience, I think the problem with Christians sometimes is we develop blind spots like Jonah, and, and, we, and, and we blow it off as, you know, Satan's against us, satanic warfare, or all these other times. And sometimes it's hard for us to look at our own actions. But no matter the origin of the raging storm, doesn't it feel awesome when the storm stops? And some would say, you know what, for me in my personal life, the storm, the storm stopped when I stopped hanging out in, with a group of people and I started hanging out with a different group of people. For me, the storm stopped when I started drawing some boundaries with friendships and relationships. The storm stopped for me when I poured a bottle down the drain or when I flushed drugs down the toilet. 
or when I went down into the hole and I grabbed all that cargo of bitterness and unforgiveness and I threw it overboard. For me, that's when the storm stopped. It was, it's, it's a good day. It's a good day when the storm stops and peace returns to your soul. Verse 16, as we just tracked through this story, then the, mer- the men feared the Lord exceedingly and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. Here's the crazy thing about this story. These men vowed to serve Jonah's God and Jonah never knew about it. Even though he's a bad example. God used Jonah with this group of people. They weren't impressed at all by Jonah. But they were impressed by Jonah's God. That he was the one, that God was the one. His God was strong enough to stop the storm. And why do we run from God and why do I run from God at times and Why are some people running from God right now? Just a few things. Some run from God because they don't truly believe he exists. They think they're here by accident. There's no purpose. There's no plan in this life. Romans 1, 19 through 20 tells us there's a purpose and a plan for this life. Some run from God because they're just just rebellious. No one's going to tell me what to do. My wife's not going to tell me what to do. My husband's not going to tell me what to do. God's not going to tell me what to do. A supervisor, a teacher... Someone in authority is not going to tell me what to do. I'm going to, I'm, I, can, I am going to do what I want to do. And some run from God because they don't, they don't know that he's full of love and compassion. Because I believe if they knew he's full of love and compassion, they would not run from him, they'd run to him. Some run from God, honestly, because they think they know him, but that they really don't trust him. So when those storms come, they run because down deep in their core, they don't believe they can trust him to get, him through the, get them through the storm. Thanks for taking care of my salvation. Thanks for, for taking care of this, my sin. But I don't want you to be my savior. God, you can run alongside of me. You can run behind me if you want to. But God, I, I will always lead. Some run from God because... They're not sure if they heard him or they heard him like Jonah and they don't want to do what he said. Excuse me? You want me to forgive who? You want me to love who? You want me to walk across the room and hug that person? You want me to move where? You want me to take that job? You want me to release That, forgive that person, so we run. Some run because they think they have a better plan. Many of us just inform God what we're going to do, and we ask God to bless it. There's a false belief, and the false belief is this, God's will for my life is actually my will for my life. And that doesn't include Nineveh. But real life is found when you run with him instead of away from him. Proverbs 18 says, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous man runs into it and is safe. The story of Jonah is there is a father, God of second chance, who wants to run with you and pick you up if you fall and carry you across the finish line. Don't run away from him. Jonah, even though he ran from God, God ran with him, God ran after him, God stayed with him, and God pursued him. 
And truth is, you have a heavenly father who wants to run with you, but he loves you enough to let you choose to invite him into your life. Listen, I'm telling you, ship after ship are waiting to take you away from the presence of the Lord. And a lot of us, if we're not careful, we're like Jonah. Party barge or rowboat. And we'll take anything to try to get away from God. And without God's grace in life, we will take the boat. Ships sailing to Tarshish, telling you, never land where they promise they will. They make a lot of promises what life is like 2,500 miles away, away from the presence of God. And yet, you never end up there. I hope we learn these principles from the book of Jonah as we journey through it the next four weeks together.